God is with you. Let us pray. God of the burning sand and thirsty ground, you called John into the wilderness to announce a new creation far from palaces of royal power. Make us ready for your intensity, the judgment that opens our senses to the poverty of our world and calls to life what lingers in death. In Jesus Christ, the one who is to come. Amen. Last week, we talked about John Muir, the wild man who scaled mountains, rode trees and windstorms, and prepared the way of the Lord in the wilderness. What we didn't say is how his story ended. After years of celebrating nature's cathedrals from California to Alaska, John Muir developed pneumonia and died on Christmas Eve in Los Angeles. He died in the same hospital where my wife, Mary Beth, delivers babies for teenage mothers and houseless mothers and immigrant mothers and others in need. I find it ironic that the wild man of the mountains and glaciers died in downtown Los Angeles, the opposite of his life's passion and work. A similar fate befell the other wild John, the Baptist, after years of drawing people closer to God in the wilderness near the Jordan River, what became of John? He was imprisoned by the state and beheaded at the whim of a little girl. Today, we encounter John the Baptist in prison. Gone is the confidence of the man who called the re religious authorities a brood of vipers. Gone is the certainty that declared himself unworthy to touch Jesus' sandals. Prison has sapped John of his vigor and his clarity of vision. Because that is what prison does. The United States has the highest rate of incarceration in the world. There are over 1.9 million people currently imprisoned in the United States. One in seven people in prisons are serving life sentences. Black youth are four times as likely to be incarcerated as white youth. And amidst the 1.9 million people incarcerated, there are 32,000 people in immigration detention centers. We know that there have been some leaders like John in the 1.9 million incarcerated. One of them even wrote about it. Perhaps the greatest prophet of our times, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the man for whom we have named 
955 streets in this country, the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize, went to jail 29 times. He went to jail 29 times between 1963 and 1968. Staggering. It is noteworthy that King wrote his famous letter from Birmingham jail during his first time in jail. Do you remember the content of the letter from Birmingham jail? To whom it was sent? Church leadership. Clergy. White, moderate clergy. King responded to a letter from clergy who called his actions in Birmingham untimely. King responded saying, For years now I have heard the word wait. This wait has almost always meant never. We must come to see with the distinguished jurist of yesterday that justice too long delayed is justice denied. These white moderate clergy told King, the teachings of Christ take time to come to earth. To which King responded, we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the vitriolic words and actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence of the good people. We must come to see that human progress never rolls in on wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts and persistent work of people willing to be co-workers with God. And without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the forces of social stagnation. When John from prison asked Jesus, Are you the one? Jesus replied, The deaf receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news. Jesus tells the people, Look around, look around and see the tireless and persistent work of those partnering with God. It's happening in our midst. Are we to wait for another, John asks, and Jesus' reply is both cryptic and crystal clear. No, we do not wait for another. We do not wait for someone else to answer God's call for justice. We do not wait for someone else to do the right thing. We do not wait for someone else. In Advent, we wait. We wait for the fullness of God's presence among us, but we do not wait for others to do God's work. We don't delay the work of God. When Mary Beth was pregnant with our firstborn, Henry, we had a baby shower. My boss and mentor, Jimmy, and his wife, Cindy, threw this party for us, and it was fantastic. And as we gathered around and opened gifts, everyone oohed and awed and laughed at all the baby stuff, how it looked so cute and so small. I'd hold up these little outfits and look at them, but I had no idea. I had no idea that the wrapping paper and pastel blues and pinks belied a 
toolbox. Those gifts were things we would use over and over and over. They're still getting used. Just yesterday, I got texts from Maggie and Michael, who used to be part of our our crew in the church and in our Surfing and Spirituality program. Their son, Francis, is the latest recipient of those gifts handed down from child to child and to another child. A pregnant mother cannot wait until the baby comes to prepare. You prepare first because you don't know when and how you will need it, but you know that you will. The waiting of Advent is preparing, getting the toolbox out, hanging the lights, ordering the presents. And ideally, we're not just decorating for like a baby shower. We're changing our lives and the world around us to release the captives, to heal the sick, to comfort the poor and raise the dead. Go, go and tell what you hear and see. Hear and see the work of God in all those places we overlook. The prisons, the farms, the fields, the 24% of Santa Barbara County, 103,000 people who are immigrants, as we'll hear from the Border Project shortly, as we did on Sunday. But as you look around, as you survey the state of love and justice this Advent, ask yourself, what am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? What do I long to see? What do I hope will come? As we do that vision work, we remember all those whose lives came before us, who risked their lives, their comfort, their reputation to partner with God to bring their vision to fruition. Yes, I'm thinking of John the Baptist, of Jesus, of MLK, of Gandhi, of Mother Teresa, of Dorothy Day. But right now, I'm thinking of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. As we have witnessed a resurgence in anti-Semitism in the U.S. and abroad, as we continue our Advent waiting, we remember Bonhoeffer's writing from jail. In 1943, while imprisoned by the Nazis, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote that, quote, a prison cell in which one waits and hopes is completely and is completely dependent on the fact that the door of freedom has to be opened from the outside is not a bad picture of Advent. In Advent, we are surrounded by the walls of waiting, of hope, of expectation. As we envision the change we want to see in the world, we turn to the door of freedom that cannot be opened from our side. Seek and ye shall find, ask and you will receive, knock and the door will be opened. But knock loudly and know the change you want to see. Amen.
Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.